Welcome to the Unfair Podcast. Hello, Happy New Year, and welcome to the OMFIF podcast. I'm Taylor Pierce, economist at OMFIF, and here with me today is my colleague Neil Williams, OMFIF chief economist. Neil, it's a pleasure to have you here today for our first joint podcast of 2023. Thank you, Taylor. Pleasure to speak to you once again. Clearly, 2022 was quite the tumultuous and challenging year, both politically and economically. Just to name a few of the many challenges of last year, we witnessed what was first described as a transitory and then a persistent bout of inflation in most major economies. This was accompanied by some of the highest rate hikes in decades for many central banks. We saw Russia's invasion of Ukraine and then the subsequent global energy shocks. We also witnessed China's sustained zero COVID policy, and then finally, toward the end of the year, the long-awaited reopening of China, not to mention the turmoil in the UK government. I could go on, but Neil, I'll come to you with my first question. How would you describe 2022? Well, I think you did it very well there, Taylor, and I I would just say that having been just through the, the Football World Cup at the end of 2022, perhaps I can borrow an analogy, which is saying that on the macro and policy side last year, We could describe uh, 2022 overall as being a game or a year of two halves. I say that because, Taylor, as you know, because you helped to lead them, the two litmus tests we use during the year to measure uh, changes in sentiment and economies are our surveys, our semi-annual surveys. I remember well our survey back in June last year of reserve managers for central banks and the one we released in December uh, as an update, but of pension and uh, sovereign wealth fund managers. And I would just say, looking back at last year, what a difference six months makes. Because as you'll remember, the survey in June of the central bank reserve managers suggested that, um, perhaps surprisingly, their overall risk tolerance at that stage seemed to be holding up rather well. There was no discernible shift at that stage from growth assets, despite all the responses from that survey having been taken after the start of the Russia-Ukraine war which you rightly uh, flagged up, Taylor. But in the December update of, of pension and sovereign wealth funds, then it does seem that risk does seem to be taken off the table uh, as we enter the start of 2023. The intention from them is to follow more conservative strategies, such as higher rated credit or longer maturity bonds, and what uh, I think we might perceive as safer haven currencies. And I, I mean, no doubt the main macro driver of this sentiment shift really has been the intensification uh, of the first half of last year's forces spilling into the second half of the year, notably higher policy rates and inflation, renewed market volatility. You're right, Taylor, to mention uh, the tumult uh, in the UK in September and October last year, and of course, the longevity of that tragic war to the east. So I think challenging is the word you used and challenging looking at last year uh, is certainly the right word. Great. Thanks, Neil. I love a good football uh, metaphor. So how different do you think 2023 will be? Well, at the risk of sounding like an economist, different in some ways, but similar in others. I say that because the similarity really will be that last year, 2022, was about delivering the medicine, medicine inverted commas, as central banks try to get down inflation, uh, which obviously was the story of last year. But also, as in, in the UK at least, the fiscal authorities tried to catch up the policy mistakes you referred to which led to those gyrations in UK gilt and currency markets in the late summer and in October. In 2023, uh, we're really going to see the side effects from that uh, medicine and the hit in terms of how destructive 
to growth and the activity in economies, not just in the UK, but globally, we get as a result of the trade-off between getting interest rates back up, central banks getting back their cherished policy tool, and reducing the inflation that they were following. In terms of those asset reallocations, uh, which I mentioned, that's probably the different bit, at least for the first few months of this year, if those managers are going to follow through uh, on a more sort of bearish uh, sentiment. And I would suggest that will, probably will be foremost in their minds, at least until markets get a more realistic impression that policy rates will start to peak out, which in my own view is that those perceptions may follow in late spring and early summer, given that central banks have been raising interest rates, but really against the wrong type of inflation cost rather than demand led. And just some, some highlights from that pension survey, which I think are going to be absolutely critical for this year, if I may. Firstly, again, reflecting this slightly more defensive approach, really, it's that uh, target return and capital preservation, again, feature as the main investment objectives, but a significantly smaller share are reporting the former target return and uh, far more are reporting the, the latter capital preservation as being important. Now, that seems to fit with the old adage I remember in bear markets, it's, it's the return of your money that becomes more important, not just the return on your money. And within those assets, uh, there seem now to be intentions towards, obviously, inflation protectors, real estate, infrastructure, and inflation-linked bonds being the ones most readily cited, but also commodities. And I guess there, that's a two-way win, not just because of inflation, uh, but also because of concerns about geopolitics. Uh, which I'll come back to later. And also just a couple of things to add. Firstly, equities, a slightly lighter approach to, to equities uh, on the fixed income side. If anything, net demand for corporate bonds likely to be falling back a bit. And within government bond world, a move towards the longer end, which is com a complete variance with what you and I, Taylor, were detecting from respondents middle of last year, when there was a move back towards the shorter end. And I wonder back then at the start of rates tightening cycles, if central banks themselves, or at least the reserve managers, had suspected that markets may have been a bit too hard on expectations for rate hikes. That's now changed, given that through the Northern Hemisphere winter, at least in Europe, uh, central banks have shown uh, that they're willing to push up quite quickly uh, on rates. And just very finally, in terms of that uh, survey and intentions for investors, there was uh, an intention to move uh, increasingly towards what may consider to be the safer haven regions and currencies, including the US dollar. And finally, on the survey, just coming to China, investors still, of course, want to hold China, as many are. But the main motivators now seem to be more to do with diversification and China's inclusion in benchmarks, rather more than anything more upbeat than having optimism about China's growth. Just to sum up overall, and a long answer to your very good short question, Taylor, it seems in terms of asset allocation for this year, if the survey is a guide, which I believe it will be, is that it'll be more active, uh, more conservative, and fits with certainly my view that uh, we may be looking at a more downbeat picture for growth in 2023. Thank you for that comprehensive view of what we should be expecting in the coming year. In sum, what are your main macro must-look-out fors uh, for the year ahead? Well, I think the three main macro drivers uh, that I'll be looking out for in the year ahead, which will, which will set the tone for 2024, include firstly the extent to which central banks and governments try to get us back to normal. Now, what do I mean by normal? I, I, I know that you're about to ask me that, Taylor, so I'll jump in straight away. What I, the view of normal I have in mind 
which is an old fashioned one, is do you remember when policy rates were consistently above inflation, which used to give us a po- something called a positive real return on our money? Secondly, growth was guaranteed. Uh, thirdly, central banking was boring, as uh, Lord King, former governor of the Bank of England, used to say it should be. And also it's governments that did fiscal policy, leaving central banks to do the monetary bit. I can't see that situation coming back next year or even potentially at the year afterwards. The second main driver, of course, will be the extent to which the tragic war to the east continues, intensifies or maybe even hopefully begins to ease. In hard macro terms, uh, a silver lining might be that um, across Europe, energy dependence on Russia has at least been pulled back, not noticeably in Germany. And also, from a statistical point of view, base effect should help take the sting out of those inflation numbers this year uh, and uh, at least perhaps minimise the hit to growth. It's something that the UK Prime Minister Sunak is already uh, having in mind when he promises to halve the UK inflation rate this year. Well, base effect at least should help to take a good deal of sting out of that. And the third driver for me uh, is that uh, at the risk of, of anyone who is getting a little bit too upbeat on growth, unfortunately, is potentially the international blame game. We've had, what, four major economic crises in the last 14 years, if you include the Eurozone tensions. Um, I wonder if this now is going to eat away at globalisation, lead to a bit more of beggar thy neighbour policies across the main economies, in which case, as we know from history, see the 1930s, when we start to follow a bit more of a protectionist policy in major economies, there are no real winners. And it turns into a barroom brawl where retaliation often can rule a roost. So in which case, uh, even if we get closer to the point where interest rates are expected to come down, the safer haven currencies, such as the dollar, may not be hit too hard. So I guess sort of in, in long, long-winded answer to a very good short question, but uh, as we approach, as we're approaching now, the start of China's lunar year of the rabbit, then again, to use your word, Taylor, challenging, I think challenging is going to be absolutely relevant for 2003 as it was like 2002 and maybe like a rabbit. Big question now is whether uh, economies in general, under the pressure of high interest rates and and in some places tax increases and also high energy costs, uh, will simply sort of be able to hop along without much speed or worst case where the consumers really begin jump down a hole and begin begin to hide there in terms of reducing their debt. And, and saving rather than spending, in which case 2024 rather than 2023 may be the time we see recoveries beginning to feel like recoveries. And so for this year, financial markets, as we get closer to the next Christmas, may even begin to be start to be pricing rate cuts. And it seems to me that uh, that is a prospect where growth may be this year, may be uh, more sought after than it's been for the last couple of years. Great. Well, thank you so much, Neil. It's been a pleasure. It sounds like there are a lot of questions yet to be answered as this year unfolds. So for our listeners, thanks for tuning in and be sure to keep up on our macro analysis by subscribing to our podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever podcasts are available. Thank you for listening to the OnFifth podcast.